What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? You are tuned in to the Arrowhead Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dow. Hope everybody's having a good week. Um, here we are Thursday. Talk about some Kansas City Chiefs. Today is the scheduled reveal day where we get to know where the Chiefs are playing, when they are playing, and uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. 5 o'clock, probably 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock if you're in Kansas City. But um, it's uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing. I get to see what games I'm going to go to this year, um, and you, like, you likewise. So let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Talk about talk about what what they got up and coming, talk about the draft, um, talk about the rookie minicamp, some of the things that we heard, and uh, talk about James Bradbury, the corner that got released from uh, the Giants. So um, first I want to bring in my co-host, DJ Ann Marsh. What's happening? What's happening is another day is one of those top four days that you look forward to in the NFL. We always talk about the big ones. We talk about the Super Bowl will be one of the big days. We talk about the opening day being one of the big ones. We talk about draft day. And, of course, today, the schedule release day. So I am definitely excited to see what's, uh, what the schedule is going to look like as you spoke of as far as what games we might be able to go to this year. Uh, see what the madness looks like. I'm just glad we're not going overseas for once. So Yeah, because <laughs> it was – well, it was speculation that we were supposed to go to Germany this mm-hmm. year because – Germany is, has a huge fan base for Chiefs fans, uh, supposedly. Right. So, I heard that's I know Tim Grunhart, uh, the ex uh, Chief uh, offensive lineman, he had went over there to be an ambassador. So, we was thinking that we was gonna play. Actually, that Tampa, the Tampa Bay game they got announced today was supposed to be that game, mm-hmm. but I guess not. I guess they they changed their mind. So, hey, I'm not tripping. Um. But before we get into the schedule and, you know, some of the things, I've seen some games that leaked out possible. I don't know if that's true, but the source is pretty reliable. But uh, before I get in there, I haven't talked to you since the draft. I wanted to get your thoughts. I already gave my thoughts on the draft, but I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought of the draft picks that we got. My thoughts on the draft, um, based on the, the big board, you know, of course, and everybody has a professional big board as far as like what's going on, who they think, where they should go, you know, who should go early, who should go later, yada, yada, yada. Um, as far as for them to have the number of picks that they did um, is actually a testament as far as, like, the, as a result, obviously, of the Tyreek Hill trade. So right. they definitely maximized and made the most of it. Was I surprised uh, as far as with the Patriots being one of their trade suitors to do business with? No. no, I was not surprised at all. Usually, as far as when it comes comes to trades and everything, they're usually doing trades with either the Patriots or they're doing trades with the 49ers. So mm-hmm. the fact that they took advantage of it and they they made the right picks, moved up with the moved up in the areas what they did. I know um, I do like the kid McDuffie out of Washington. I do like watch uh, watching him to see his tail of the tape. He was a real uh, well rounded shutdown corner as far as like he'll be able to complement the secondary in a huge way. Yeah, um, it's like. As far as the way it looks like, you know, when you have so many picks in this in this past draft, normally you're talking about teams that are going through a rebuild. You're not talking about a team that was just recently in the playoffs or that had a deep run to the playoffs, at least for the last four years, having yeah. two picks. It's not in the first round. It's not normal. You usually don't hear that, have that conversation. Right. But for the Chiefs to make the most of it, at least from my eyes and my perspective, yeah. I am satisfied with it. Um, I had him, like, as far as me personally, I had him a grade A on there. Me Usually, too. I'm kind of like B, C, and then you never know what you're going to get. You know, mm-hmm. as it go down the 
like you say, it was be like on the third, fourth, fifth round. You know, this when they start to get their sleeper picks, though. But I would say overall, though, as far as it, it compliments from all the way down from the first pick that they had all the way down to their last pick, they get a great A for me. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, McDuffie with the first pick at 21. Mm-hmm. Then we came back with round one with George Karloffis, the defensive end out of Purdue. Yeah, he's um, going to be a problem. Yeah, he's good. I like the, the round two, the receiver, Sky Moore, mm-hmm. out of Western Michigan. Very polished wide receiver. Knows how to get um, off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of people are predicting him in his comparison to Julian Edelman. But I see Jeremy Macklin. That's what I see when I see the kid. You yeah, know? as long as the kid stays healthy, that's yeah, all. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy Macklin with with less injury, probably. Right. But he, he he runs routes similar to what Jeremy Jeremy Macklin was a very good uh, route runner. That was one of his strengths was his route running, and he's he was very smooth in and out of his routes, good in slants. That's what this kid's gonna provide. The other pick I love. Uh, was Brandon Cooks or Brian Cook out of uh, Cincinnati, hard hitting safety, but can play in coverage because he played he played cover corner at Howard University and then he transferred over to Cincinnati yeah. and end up he had to sit out a year and then he started his senior year and uh, he was a baller. Dude can hit. He, you know you ain't got to worry about a safety whiffing on tackles and, and being out of coverage. This guy's gonna, you know, be good. It provides some, uh, a, a good, some good competition back there. I would say yeah. there as well too, yeah. because originally I had in my mind as far as who it was gonna be, but then they drafted this kid. I'm like, this could be a little interesting. Yeah, because you got Eric Reed, you got you got Thornhill, you they signed Dion Bush, who's a savvy mm-hmm. veteran. So they got a nice little nucleus over in that safety room. And then you go, you back it up with uh, hard hitting linebackers, uh, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, who. Man, if you watch this kid, he 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 goes after you. You know, yeah. he he could hit. It's not a Ben Neiman. <laughs> He's an athlete. This guy's an athlete. His his chart was was um his his measurement athletic chart was similar to what Luke Keekley did, and that's that's rare company. And he had eight sacks his senior year as a as a middle linebacker. So. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to compliment and also be able to fix some note. I mean, we can't we can't tell you what the defensive scheme is, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I would say for third down situations, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable this year than yeah. I did last year. Yeah. Then they uh, got the corner from Fayette State, uh, Fayetteville State, Joshua Williams. McDuffie, when they drafted him, a lot of people were surprised because McDuffie is not the typical corner that Brett Veach goes after. He likes the tall, lanky, six six one, six two corner like a luxurious knee. Shavarius Ward was kind of in that mode. Um, McDuffie is what five eleven, you know. Look, like that. He has not the longest arms, but the kid can cover. He's very smart. So a lot of people were surprised by that. But then he backs it up with Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State, who's six two, I think six two, six three, two hundred something pounds. So. There's the six-foot corner that they usually go after. He's going to be probably a little bit of a project. I don't see him starting this year, but next year, possibly he can be starting, especially with Fenton might be gone next year. I don't know what they're going to do with LeJarrius Sneed. They probably, if they resign him, if they don't resign him, but Joshua Williams probably won't start this year, but he'll start next year. Then you got another offensive lineman, left uh, right tackle, uh, Darian Kennard, 
Now, this kid is. I'm excited about, too. This dude is nasty. Let me tell you right now. He is no nonsense. He was uh he got the top offensive lineman award in the SEC at right tackle. A lot of people thought, you know, oh, he he'd be better suited as a guard, but the Chiefs are telling us in in camp and everything, no, he's a right tackle. So I think he's going to challenge, you know, Rimmers and and Wiley and uh, uh Lucas Niang who's coming off an injury. We got to remember he's coming off of a, a a serious injury, so we don't know how Lucas Niang is going to look. And when those big guys get those hip injuries, that's, that's kind of a tough thing to come back from. So don't be surprised if Kennard's starting. He may not start in the beginning of the season, but somewhere along the lines. Don't be surprised if Kennard is starting. I would not be surprised if he's starting. I thought that was a steal initially. Because he he when was. They, when they called his name, I honestly thought he was off the board. Yeah. Um, I really do see him starting come week one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I wouldn't be surprised. Then they got Jalen Watson who's somebody they was looking at. They brought him in for in another long 6'2", 6'1", corner. Uh, he's in the seventh round, but he he's in there for competition. I can see him on special teams. The other pick I like is this running back from Rutgers, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, big 5'11", 215-pound running back, but he ran like a 4'4", four, 4'3", four, four, something like that in the combine. So he's not a slow dude by any means. At the rookie mini camps, he was catching punts. Don't be surprised if he's this is our punt returner mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Um, then Nazir Johnson, cornerback out of Marshall. He played, uh, they let, got him listed as a corner, but he played safety in Marshall. He also ran a 4 3 5, so he's a fast guy. Don't be surprised if he plays a lot of special teams. Um, he might be our new gunner. You know, Tope, you know, Tope always gets the last like roster spots when it comes to the 53-man roster because a lot of that goes to special teams and stuff like that. So don't be surprised if a lot of these guys are on special teams. <clears throat> but that's the those are the draft picks. And like I said, I gave him an A2. I thought one thing I loved was that Brett Veach knew that we got to get faster, bigger, and more sure of tacklers on this defense. We cannot sit back and continue to have this de- trot this defense out there that can't tackle, that can't move, they're not athletes out there, and, and we just getting dogged. Like, yes, Tyron Matthew, he was great. I'm, I'm going to miss Tyron Matthew, his leadership and everything. But let's be real, he was a little bit on the small side. Yeah. And when it comes to bigger receivers or big tight ends, he would get, he would get ran over. He would. And they, they, even so, that goes to the whole, almost all the safeties at that point in time. Yeah. When you talk about Sorensen. Sorensen and the Matthews. Yeah. It's spot on. And even so, with Ward, Ward, that was a tough release because even so, with the, I mean, if you guys follow the pro football focus and everything, he was actually one of the top as far as with the Him and Finn. To, uh, being targeted and also on the pad and everything, he would do well. But at the same time, you got to look in the future. And they took advantage of the most of it. Um, as you spoke of, the, you're talking about uh, Mr. Matthews' leadership. I think that's going to open up the door for new leadership um, for Bolton. I'm looking for him to take a huge step forward this year. Bolton. Um, I yeah. think Eric Reed, the guy that uh, Justin Reed, the uh, the safety we picked up from the Texans, yep. he has a lot of. Uh, I liked his press conference when he first came in. He seems like he has a lot of leadership qualities in him. Mm-hmm. He's used to being the man in the backfield, even when he was on the Texans. You could tell he was the leader in that room. He's he's been under a lot of Jonathan Joseph, 
Tyron Matthew when he was with the Texans. So he's had a lot of guys rub off on him and tell, you know, impart that leadership in him. So I'm looking to him to be the leadership leader, the new leader in that in that DB room, especially and on the defense. I think Chris Jones is going to be a leader. Uh, Leo Chanel, linebacker out of Wisconsin, I think he's going to develop into a leader. I think they got a core of guys that's going to develop into leaders on this field. But uh, <clears throat> this past weekend, they had rookie minicamps. And one of the big names coming out of rookie minicamp is Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross. Now, if you don't know who Justin Ross is, and I explained it kind of on, but if, you, if this is your first time listening, Justin Ross, his freshman year with Clemson, he was the best player on the team. Like, this is the same team that had T. Higgins, who T. Higgins is a baller on Cincinnati's. Cincinnati, yep. <laughs> he was Amari Rogers, who's a decent wide receiver. Uh, Hunter Renfro, who's a good wide receiver with the Raiders. Yep. He was the best player on that team. He, he was a true freshman, and he had like, 40, 50-something catches and a 1,000-something yards. Yeah, dude, there was a catch that he made that was unreal. Yeah. He had a one-handed grab. It was it was one that was clearly out of range. Yeah. This dude went up. He's a go-getter. He is. He was a top 15. Like, he was a top 15 wide receiver coming out after his freshman year. If he had came out his freshman year, he would have been the first receiver picked off the board. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, injuries happened. He yep. ended up having a spinal, like, fusion thing and some on his lower back that he had to get fixed. He missed all of 20, 2019. No, he missed all of 2020, I think. Came back 2021. Wasn't as effective, but, you know, he was getting back. He was coming off of an injury. Quarterback situations yeah. changed. Yeah, the, the, the quarter, just... Trevor Lawrence was no longer there. That's another thing. And you could tell he was a little frustrated. He was still He was still productive. But he wasn't as productive. Mm-hmm. Well, the Kansas City, and he went undrafted. And he also had a foot injury, too. He had a, fra- a foot fracture in 2021. So he was playing with a foot fracture, and he was coming back from the surgery he had on his back. So he sat him down for the last three games of the season. So he, he hasn't played football since probably, what, December? Something like that. November, probably. Yeah. So... <clears throat> He hasn't played football in a while. The Kansas City Chiefs, he went undrafted, and the Kansas City Chiefs end up picking him up. You heard Brent Veach talk about him saying, you know, they trust Rick and the medical staff. Um, and if you don't know Rick Bocholter, he's the, the medical trainer, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they said that he's cleared to go. He's healthy. And he was in rookie minicamp this weekend. And – from what I'm hearing from Nate Taylor of Athletic, he pretty much said that they were being very cautious with him this weekend. So he didn't get a lot of reps, but the reps he did get, once he started knocking the rust off, because even Andy Reid talked about it, that he's knocking the rust off because he hasn't played football in a while. So he's knocking the rust off, but he did make some plays. He made a play over McDuffie. And I'm going to tell you right now, if this kid can crack, the 53-man roster, and get back to what he was his freshman year, this would be the biggest steal in the history of undrafted free agents because nobody took a flyer but the Chiefs on him. Yeah, Everybody was scared. 
to touch this kid. If he comes out in training camp and he makes this roster and he makes any type of impact on the Chiefs and, the, and every other team, every and 31 other teams are looking back like, damn, I should have took him. This would be the biggest steal in undrafted free agency history because this kid could be special. And you got him, Sky Moore, and then, you know, possibly next year, depending on how Miko looks. Because I'm expecting a big year from Miko this year, actually. Juju Smith, Juju too. I wouldn't be surprised if Juju has a good year. They they sit at the table with Juju and say, hey, we want to bring you back. And I wouldn't be surprised if he would want to come back and play with Patrick Mahomes. Why not? I have a success with this quarterback. Why would I leave it to go somewhere else, go to some terrible team that's probably going to pay me what I want? Because if Juju has 12, 1,300-yard season and let's say eight to nine touchdowns, he's going to get paid. Yeah. But will he say, you know what, I want to stay in Kansas City because I'm getting passes thrown to me from Patrick Mahomes. I didn't build a rapport, chemistry with him. I want to stay. And the success. I mean, he's no stranger to success in Pittsburgh and everything. They were able to do what they could in Pittsburgh. And the fact that we're still making the, the playoffs where the Roethlisberger was basically on his last leg. And you know what you're going to get out of Patrick Mahomes. Like you know that basically every year, ever since he's been in the league and come off the scene, they've been there every single time. I mean, he's been to the AFC title game. <laughs> he's been there for the last four. Four straight years, man. So the resume is there. All yeah. they got to do is just go out there and perform and do the work. And if everything is like falls into place, like they got the, they got a chance to be there once again. They're always going to be in the running. They're always going to be among the conversation. Even even today, as far as you know, everybody want to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the they have potentially the number one quarterback and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they are still talking about the Chiefs and everything still being among the top because of that offense. That's why even with the conversation, I think um, there was um, uh, there was something that was put out there as far as some of the most anticipated games, like the, the, the top five games anticipated for those for this year. The Chiefs have two of them. They have two of those games, and I believe I know one for certain was the Bills, and I forgot what yeah. the other one was. It was the Bucks, as a matter of fact. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. So there's a reason why. So you know this team is going to be there, and that's a good segue because. Like I said in the beginning of it, today is National NFL Schedule Reveal Day. And uh, we got word on some games. Now, two of the games are confirmed, for sure. The week of the draft, they confirmed week two, first home game for the Chiefs. We played the L.A. Chargers on Thursday Night Football on the Amazon Prime. They picked up Thursday Night Football. So now they're po- they're trying to booster it up with Chiefs Chargers. They know that's a rivalry. They know the top, you know, top quality, you know, with Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert. That's marquee quarterbacks right there. And as usual, around this time, everybody's picking the Chargers to what? Win the division. Like clockwork. They always pick the Chargers to win the division. It's, yeah. it's, it's like it's like they can't help themselves. Like, after a while, you would think that they would learn and be like, wait and see, and, you know, let's find out. No. They've been picking the charges. It's mainly because how they feel about people 
feel about the quarterback rankings everybody is feeling. And, you know, and it's a testament to say people ain't learned the last time that they put somebody over Mahomes. Remember that, was I think it was two or three years ago, where they put Lamar Jackson as the number one overall player and put Mahomes at number four, and you saw that little pencil with the notepad on Twitter? Mm-hmm. And what happened after that? Destroyed them. Mahomes went out there and got him again. Yep. So, so they can keep doing it. They can keep. They can put. They can put uh, Josh Allen in front of them. They could put Herbert in front of them. But when, the, when it's all said and done, when the season rolls out, here's the bottom line: if they're not in the playoffs, which we didn't see with uh, Herbert, and if they're not, and also, and if they don't go any further, which the Chiefs end up winning to that duel, we can argue the whole. Uh, idea as far as that well, everyone for the coin flip. Remember, the Bills had the number one defense, and um, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to say any more about that. We're going we're gonna to leave I'm it so, there. I'm so sick of this coin flip. What was that coin flip talk when when Patrick Mahomes went against Tom Brady the first year of his <laughs> his first starting year, and we lost because of a coin flip to Tom Brady against New England? I don't want to hear but, that coin flip crap. Forget about the coin flip. I mean, even so, that we can stay on that all day. But here's the bottom line: when you give up a score in 13 seconds, you deserve have, to lose. I have I have no sympathy for you. All you had one job. All you had to do is just cover your bases and make sure you find a way to be able to contain them. But hey, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But I can't. He's like, as far as with this release, you know, I look forward to the release coming out five o'clock Pacific time, and I also look forward to that top one hundred list that comes out every year when it gets when it gets close. Because I would not be surprised if they have Patrick Mahomes somewhere talking about as low as five and six. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, let's look at the resume. You know who the number one player is going to be? We we know. It's like so. I'm like, it's either going to be Aaron Donald or Josh Allen. Yeah, most likely. I mean, personally, me, I would have Donald as number one for obvious reason. For me, I had him as MVP of the Super Bowl, but me you know, too. you got a case for Cup. I, I I get it. Yeah. But the bottom line, though, is that like I would not I would not be surprised if they have somewhere Mahomes somewhere in that five to ten range. And like I said, I brought it up is that the last time they had him somewhere around there, he took note of that and he went in there and put in the work. He's like he was one he was one of those. Probably the most analyzed quarterback. I would say overanalyzed too. Over most overanalyzed player probably in the entire league. Everybody was talking about he's overrated, all this stuff, and they didn't go into the much detail when it came to other players or other quarterbacks and everything. Everybody talking about Josh Allen's the greatest and this and that. You you hear it all the time with Patrick Mahomes. He was made by his weapons. If he didn't have Travis Kelsey, if he didn't have. If he didn't have Tyreek Hill, he wouldn't be where he's at. Well, you can make that argument for a lot of quarterbacks. If Josh Allen didn't, when he didn't have Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. he wasn't doing this. Yeah. No. He wasn't doing this. You know what I'm saying? The reality of it is, even if you go to that game, Diggs wasn't was pretty much held in check, I believe. Every in time that he plays the game, Chiefs. The only one that was getting to- the one that was getting torched is the one that's no longer on the team. Sorensen. Not only him, but the corner that oh, would end up going Hughes. Yeah, Hughes. That's why I'm so I'm so glad. It's like I'm glad as I think it was McDuffie that took his number. It's like somebody, please give me some better memories of this number because I was tired. I was so tired of seeing number twenty one trip over his own feet and that man get that much wide open. I had never seen a man that much wide open <laughs> since I watched him play the Raiders about uh, two years ago. He made he made Gabriel Davis look like. Julio Jones. He had there. like four touchdowns. He had a, a. I think everybody. I think all the receivers were having career games. Like even hence is like as far as like with um, Jamar Chase, but that's a whole nother 
superstar level. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase was just making incredible catches. Because Shaverius Ward really was right there. Like, we killing Shaverius Ward. But he was covering them good. It was just. But that was just good team chemistry. Yeah. I can't argue that. I mean, when yeah. they got history at LSU and the, the way that they were just dropping dimes, you yeah. couldn't, some of them you just could not cover them any better. Yeah. And that's just that's just the chemistry that they have. And, Man. you know, you appreciate chemistry like that. You know, obviously, uh, you could talk about the history as far as they with. Mahomes and Hill, and then of course you still have Mahomes and Kelsey. You still have it available. Yeah. You could you could make that argument. Well, once in like the once in a time, say make that argument when there was Rodgers and not so much anymore. Devontae Adams because yeah. obviously with another team, right? But that's that's just something special. You don't have too many of those combinations. It's a it's a rare thing to have. In Tom Brady, Gronk, you know, yep. they, had that, they had that chemistry. Um, also with the schedule. Um, I, I got a few more games that's possible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Danny Parkins. He used to be with 610 Sports. Now he's in Chicago doing his thing. But he said week five, Raiders on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a big game. Mm-hmm. Um, I might even try to go to that game. Every, every division game is a big game this year. Yeah, I might even try to go out to Kansas City for that game. <laughs> um, <clears throat> then you have uh, week six. Versus the Bills, I think that's going to be the 125 game, our time, Mm -hmm. 325, Kansas City time, or whatever time. That's going to be a redemption game as far as, you know, that's going to be the minds of people, you know, the whole Everybody's going to pick the Buffalo Bills that week. I don't care. If the Chiefs could be, what's that, week six, we could be, what, five, six and oh, five and oh, whatever it it is. It's a possibility, but it's like I said, I got, I have a, a couple of thoughts on that. Because, like I said, we're talking about a young group of people. Then you're talking about a brand-new defensive base pretty much. And then you also have pieces of wide receiving core. What is that going to look like? And also, you know, the the defensive coordinators. Do you have that whole offense? This is where they do their homework. They start to look and see – what do we need to do better? What can we do? That's when the whole this is when that whole two safety high thing really started to evolve, mm-hmm. and then the Chiefs struggled in becoming a patient patient offense. So, like I said, there's so much to dissect, but also on the other side, as far as defensive coordinators doing their homework, we know the kind of guy Andy Reid is. This dude is like a offensive magician. He'll dude, come up with mad things. Scientist. And this this dude is a mad scientist. I mean, the man has probably has a Bible sized idea of trick plays, which I'm not too fond of at times. But like I said, we're talking about a team that's probably going to be uh, – they're going to be ready to go. And also um, – and even so, the last couple of times, you know, they've had that bad taste in their mouths when it comes to defeat and stuff yeah, like that. So yeah. they came out – they're coming off of a horrible second half in the AFC Championship game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, you got Titans Sunday Night Football, uh, Week 9, and then – Is that home or is that uh, away? It's a home. It's a home game. Okay. It's a home game. Good because every time you go to Tennessee, I know we. Did, I don't know what it's some chicken or something. You know, <laughs> that Nashville hot chicken or something. You know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Chiefs don't show up. Andy Reid can't coach no more. <laughs> Stop eating that chicken down. Yeah, last time. Yeah, last time I don't even want to have that memory. It was like I think I was watching uh, Kingdom Cast and they had to break that down. Yeah, shout out to Kingdom Cast by the yeah, way. Yeah, shout out to but Boogie, that, Chuck, that Country, yeah. Kylie. That Tennessee game gave me a headache. I almost had it, almost wanted to turn it off, but I just, you know, for whatever reason, when you just a Chiefs You know game, what's so funny about that game? I had the night before I was doing a little bit of drinking that night before, so I was. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up like late, <laughs> and I woke up and it was like the it was like second quarter, and I look. No, I got a text message from my homie Jamal. He's a big Titans fan. And he's like, tighten up. And I'm like, oh, no. 
I turned the game on. We getting our heads beat. I'm like, what that, the? That, what's that, going that, on here? It's like for those that were like little basketball buffs, it was like the Golden State and uh, Memphis last night. Yeah, exactly yeah. what it looked like. It was just from the beginning all the way. Nothing was yeah. going right. They were getting. They were beat down start to finish. I had never. I hadn't seen a beat down like that probably since well before. Or even Mahomes even got there. That was arguably his worst defeat. I don't even think. I think that was the first game where they failed outside of the Tampa Bay game. That was probably the first game in the regular season where they failed to score a touchdown. That's how bad it was. They even got close toward the end of that game, and then they, I believe, they turned the ball over again. That's the kind of day it was. Because the crazy part was, it wasn't really that. Because uh, um, we held Derrick Henry in check. Relatively. Like, they, like they've done. Nick Bolton was out there giving him pure, pure help. Yeah. Every time he tried to run the ball, Nick Bolton was in his face. It was just they let, they forgot about Tannehill. Like. <laughs> yeah, Tannehill is like you have regular season Tannehill, and then you have the postseason, which, you know, you guys obviously know about that story. You know, Tannehill is such an up-and-down player. You never know what you're going to get. But. You know, that whole Tennessee game, much as people want to say that was a throwaway game and all that stuff, no. that was actually a game to where you just need to, like, break down. And you're we win that game, we would have got home field. I mean, we end up getting Well, there home. was a lot of opportunities the we, Chiefs had we, home field. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean they, the Bengals they, game. We should If we win the, the Bengals game. The Bengals game, they threw away at the end. Yeah. And, and, and and you can make the argument of a questionable call. I mean, because he, they had them stop on that fourth down and play, but, you know, the – the phantom flag and whatever. Oh, and then, we ain't going to talk about that Bengals and, game. And even, and even so, you can make the same case with the Ravens game, too. Because even so, oh, they, yeah. fumbled, they fumbled the game. Yeah. So, there was at least two games. I would say... Chargers game, too. There, there, was two, there were two teams, I would say, second, this is a sidebar from what we discussed so far with the Chiefs and everything. The Chiefs should have been the number one seed. In the, and in the NFC, the Cowboys should have been the number one seed. But, it's like I said, the, the, the Raiders... Or, not the Raiders, I'm sorry. The Cowboys... They had no business blowing games against the Raiders and also the Broncos at home getting embarrassed. They should have been the number one seed. But, hey, they got bounced out by the 49ers anyway, to by no surprise. Yeah, yeah. And we end up getting home field advantage anyway. Yeah. Titans, they do what they do in the playoffs, lose. So, <clears throat> it didn't matter anyway. We, you know, we got the luck of the draw. And then week 14, uh, we got Bronco, Chiefs at Broncos on Sunday Night Football. So, Patrick Mahomes is the second time playing Russell Wilson because we played him his he played him his first in Seattle. Season. You I remember that game? Yeah, so. that was that was uh, that was like the week. Well, prior to the whole week eighteen, there was a week. That was the week sixteen game yeah, yeah. prior to before the whole shift, and I think they had the chance to close that out that yeah. that that season they had to play the following week. Got home field advantage, took care of business, but that's probably I would say for the, when they go to Denver. That's going to be their toughest Denver game that uh, Mahomes has had, yeah. I would say, because now that they actually have it. Um, and also, if you really think about it, I would say with this defense and the way that they restructured it for the Chiefs, this is probably going to be arguably one of the better defenses that Mahomes has had because with Mahomes, historically, he's had to put up about a good 50. 30, 40, <laughs> even 50 points just to make sure that they win the game. Yeah, usually, usually you, you're crossing your fingers if the other quarterback has the ball at the end and he's got a minute and something. And there were and there were times last year when the defense stepped up. No, they did. I, I will it say a, that it was a stretch where the defense was winning those games and the offense was looking terrible. Yeah, and, he, and but I would say from start to finish, where I could say uh, confidently from the beginning to end at least, 
this is this should be one of the better defenses. Kind of like how we expected as far as with the the O line, and that's that's a testament to how Beach has drafted over the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. The year before, it was focused. We're going to make sure we protect our quarterback, so they went out there and got themselves a line. But the Cincinnati Bengals took notes on that, so you clearly see what they yeah. did. Yeah. And this year, they were definitely committed to restructuring that defense. Had a snag as far as they're dealing with the Tyreek Hill situation, but it worked out for them though. Because they were able to address their defense and get new parts yeah. for their offense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, look, I, I look at this as more of a retool than a rebuild. Um, I think that because you still got the core on defense, you got Chris Jones. Say what you want about Frank Clark. Frank Clark is still, you know, he's still one of the you know main cogs on this defense. Um, he's a lead. He's going to be a, one of the veteran leaders that they're going to have to lean on. Yeah, and um, and some of the distractions I think too is they will kind of subside. I won't yeah. say totally subside, but it won't be as much of a headline as it was. Yeah, I think he's going to. Hopefully, he comes into the season. The, the main problem with Frank Clark is health. Yeah, and if he can come in this season healthy, hopefully we can get a seminent of what we was expecting from Frank Clark. You know. Mm-hmm. If we can get eight sacks from Frank Clark this season, and let's say Chris Jones gets ten to twelve, that's a good season. And then Karlofkis and Mel, and we're gonna talk about Melvin Ingram in a minute. But if we can get something from them other guys, and maybe some of these young guys from last year, the Joshua Candos, uh, Malik Herring, who was another Georgia defensive end that they picked up on drafted last year, hurt. He's been he was doing really good in rookie mini camps. Um, if some of these guys could step up on the defensive line and then our linebacker core for once in our life, because even with Derrick Johnson was there, he was the only shining light mm-hmm. as far as uh, linebacker. I mean, Justin Houston was there too, but still, this is going to be the first time in a long time where our linebacker core is the strength of this defense. Yeah. With Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chanel, I think they keep the, – the, there's another undrafted linebacker named um, Mike Rose who played for Iowa State who's really good in coverage. He might be the new Ben Neiman, but better. He's a better Ben Neiman. He's not Ben ne- – <laughs> We got going with better analogies. <laughs> that, was not, that was not a standard. <laughs> he's going to be – he's going to take Ben Neiman's role as far as that cover because everybody – because Andy Reid and them kept trotting him out there like he was this – the best cover linebacker on the team, and especially, he wasn't. Especially in the sake for the sake of actually covering these tight ends too, because yeah. that's, because when they would, which obviously is like for example when they played the the Baltimore Ravens, who was their go go to guy? Obviously, the number one threat was Andrews with the tight ends, and you would see who else they would have a safety matched up on mm-hmm. them. I ain't gonna mention that name; they no longer on the team. There's no reason to, but that that's something that they had to address, and hopefully. They've lived up to that. He lives up to that standard of being that coverage linebacker to be able to take care of it and offset that. And I think our corner room is going to be deep. now to get on corner. Most recently, and we were tied to him while he was still on the Giants. James Bradbury, corner. Uh, he's a is he a top five corner? No, but he's a top fifteen corner. And. I wasn't. I was hoping that the Chiefs did trade for him, but I'm. I'm kind of happy they didn't. They didn't have to give up none of those draft picks because they give up a pick, we don't get one of those guys that we drafted. But <clears throat> the the Giants have finally released him. I at the right price, like if they say one million dollars, five million with up to seven to eight with incentives. Incentives, yeah. 
I wouldn't mind them getting James Bradbury. They need the veteran corner in that room. They do need a guy who can take McDuffie under his wing and Joshua Williams and get some of these young guys, you know what I'm saying, up to speed and how to be a pro in this league. And you give me James Bradbury, McDuffie, and Legereus Sneed as your top three corners, now we got something. Our secondary will really be legit. Because the one thing I the one thing I think we do need now, if they don't get James Bradbury, I'm not going to be tripping. I still think our secondary is going to be good. Um, but defensive end is definitely something that they need to look for as far as veteran leadership. And they did put that tender. I've never heard of this thing. It's called an undrafted yeah, tender on that. Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. where he's a, he's already counts against the cap, $4.4 million against the cap. He has until July 22nd to sign with another team. If he signs with another team, we get a draft pick, a draft compensation pick for Melvin Ingram. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't sign by July 22nd, he can't sign with no other team but the Kansas City Chiefs. Hmm. So either we're going to have definite Melvin Ingram on the team or if he signs with somebody else, we get draft compensation. And I still see the Chiefs going after a veteran defensive end, maybe a Jerry Hughes, uh, Akeem Hicks, somebody like that who's still out there. Um, But I think Melvin Ingram is going to be a Chief. I do. I think he liked the environment. I I think he liked the family. You know, the one thing about the Chiefs locker room is they have a family-oriented you know, usually, usually you see locker rooms and they're kind of divided. These guys, from offense to defense, everybody is together. And that's a testament to Andy Reid. He's always had those type of uh, locker rooms. So I can see Melvin Ingram signing back with the Chiefs. Now, I can see the Chiefs doing this. Yeah, they did it for $4.4 million. But I can see them sitting at the table and be like, all right, yeah, it's $4.4 million. But we get you up to seven to eight with incentives, working out that contract like that. Yeah, I could see them doing something like to to which, the mode of that. Which rightfully, I mean, the yeah. resume in the short, yeah, like in the, as far as when he came in and spoke for himself, oh, he, he made he, a number of key plays and yeah. stuff like that. Especially the one that stands out, the that Denver, uh, the Denver hit, yeah. which resulted in the Bolton touchdown. Um, he's definitely uh, a key piece. But he, but even before the Denver game, like he he may not have got like sacks. He was, but just, he, was he, at, he was putting up the numbers that wouldn't show up on the yeah, – he was putting up the points you see on the stat sheet. There we go. Those pressures. Those, yeah. the The run defense. He was, he was helping out in run defense and run support. He was a veteran leader on that team too. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I liked his interviews where he was like, I'm taking Turk Warden. I'm taking this guy, Mike Dana, under my wing. And somebody like George Kalafikas needs somebody like a Melvin Ingram to take him under his wing and show him yeah. some moves and – you know, things of that nature. And it, and it seemed like there was less confusion at the line, yeah, too, as yeah. far as when it came to defense assignments. Because uh, in the beginning, like especially in the, uh, like prior, I say, to week seven, you would see a lot of that, especially on the run. But yeah. the performance, and I remember reading off some of those numbers, too, because they were at the bottom yeah. statistically on defense. And somebody is in those categories. And then when they acquired him, you started to see the table turn. And, you know, nobody was really talking about it as far as with that Chiefs defense at the time because it wasn't the focal point. Everybody was what was going on with the Chiefs offense. Right. But because of him, it's like they wouldn't really, they, you know, they didn't really speak about him. His name, his name didn't come out as much as it should have. 
No, he he made it. He made a huge impact on this defense, and I would love for Melvin Ingram to sign that tender, come back for on a one year deal, be that bridge the gap from him to George Karloffis, and then next year George Karloffis, and and uh, never know George Karloffis this year could take off and be something, but if not, you know have him part of the rotation and. You know, Melvin Ingram probably gets those more of those pass rushing snaps. Maybe you can kick George Carl Office on the inside with Chris Jones. Have Melvin Ingram on the edge with Frank Clark. Now you got something. You know, you might you because George Carl Office, one thing he did in Purdue, he was good at getting pressure on the quarterback. It didn't result into a lot of sacks because he was getting double team, triple team because he was the best player on the team, of course. But he was a stand down. Yeah, he was. He was. But uh He's definitely uh, – you kick him inside with Chris Jones. Now he's not getting double team, and now you got him and Melvin Ingram, boom, yeah, Frank Clark on the other side. That's something that's like I'm not saying it's an easy assignment because, you know, trying to get somebody off of a double team because, you know, that's something that even Aaron Donald down in L.A., he deals with that every single week. Yeah. But the difference is that Aaron Donald is so relentless is that there's clear separation like that there, like there's – Aaron Donald, and then you know, like Chris Jones could argue easily be in that conversation, but he's just got to take the next step. He he does it on he does it, but he doesn't do it consistently. Like yeah. he'll split a double team up the middle. Like mm-hmm. he's good against guards and things of that nature. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad they're not doing this defensive end experiment no more. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I think, yeah, that's what threw it off too. It's like as far as the weight and something yeah. we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, th- that's what another thing I was saying. Um, that Chris Jones, I think he came in a little lighter to be a defensive, defensive end. Yeah. And I think this year he's going to come in a little, you know, a little bit bigger, stronger at that defensive tackle position so he can get off like he used to do, mm-hmm. you know. Because I think people are forgetting that Chris Jones, yes, I know, in the playoffs he's not as effective. And I think he's going to get better with that. But Chris Jones is a menace. Let's not do that. Chris Jones is one of the top defensive tackles in the league, and he's one of the top pass rushers in the league at that position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Aaron Donald, and then you go dot, 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 Chris Jones. And even so, there's a reason why. Some, even with their blitzing scheme, sometimes they'll yeah. do, the, do those crazy blitzes and everything with, like, with, with the way Spags, he calls it. And that's just all attributes to as far as like, taking the next step up, too, as far as like, being able to send some of your linebackers. Like, yeah. Um, like somebody who's like Butch Neiman, I don't recall Neiman getting there very much at all. Leo Chanel gonna get there. But with this with this defense, as far as the way that they're constructing it, this is a defense I expect. I expect Chris Jones to play that role to where he's having to hold those two because they're so focused on him that it mm-hmm. opens up the door for the, some of these linebackers, even the corner. I would not be surprised. Legereus Sneed. I want, that was the one thing I didn't see from Legereus Sneed last year. His rookie season, he was good at blitzing. Yeah, part of that challenge though was also because of the lack of depth and also because yeah. of their personnel at times. Because, yeah. like I said, when you dealing with a, um, and I think this was uh, uh, which game it was the game that Matthew got hurt in. It was late in the season. I think it was a playoff game, as a matter of fact. And was when Matthew got hurt, then you had to compensate yeah. for Sorensen being the game at the same time as Mike Hughes, yeah. and that's no easy assignment. And I think and was it the I think it was the Bills game, as a matter yeah. of fact. Yeah. And I was surprised the Bills did not attack that earlier because they had Matthew was out of the game with a concussion, and then it, that said so that meant they had Sorensen back there with Thornhill, and then you saw, and then you had Hughes having to compensate. You're having to compensate for 
two positions that really aren't at the the top. I would say if I had to put a grade to it, probably a D. One of them they, turns they, they managed yeah. to get through it. They still won, but it was ugly late, as you as you saw when they started to take advantage of it. One, one of them touchdowns was on Thornhill. I know that much. I remember that one. Yeah, you could pick a person. You could yeah, like, Gabriel Davis just ran right past him. Yeah, you could. He was too busy. He was too busy looking in the backfield. Yeah, you could pick anybody on that situation because even so, when the way um, Josh Allen did, they, had, they were looking so much for those design runs and yeah. stuff like that that they would get their assignment. And Sorensen was just so bad at not. And it's crazy because, like, don't get me wrong. You know, I have no problem with people being a fan of a person and going back to history. But come on, guys, this is 2022. We're not reliving the it's like teams that – we're not trying to be like the Cowboys and the Niners or whatever. We live in everything. Oh, we're the best team and everything. That was back in the 90s. I need you to step ahead. Step ahead. We are about 30 years later. Yeah. Like the Sorensen, yes, he did make those plays. But let's be real, though. The pursuit angles I've seen him take and some of the things, as far as the, the man getting behind you, the safety, he's supposed to be the last man. I brought it up about seven weeks, eight weeks into the season where he was the worst in his position and 19th worst of all DBs. You cannot defend that. You cannot say sit, sit here and everything despite some of the dysfunctions that Matthew might have had and sit there talking about he was the worst when statistically the numbers are right there in front. I'm looking right in my face. And the fact that he's on a... The fact he's in New Orleans and everything, God bless New Orleans. I'll I don't say think that. He, I don't think he's gonna. I think he's a special teams guy at best in New Orleans because they got they got a deep deep free safety room. Like yeah. they they're not gonna put that man on the. They know the tape. They and, saw it. And he, and even so, uh, it's like kind of like looking at their construction as far as their defensive roster construction. They got some potential. I don't know how that's gonna look as far as the transition because obviously with their culture and stuff like that. But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. You wish them all the best. I wish Matthew all the best. I do too. They, you know, as far as that he I'm left, glad, I'm glad he's at home. He left the Super Bowl champion. He's, like, he he's able. He's able to be back home with his community, and that seems to be the common thing where players are wanting to go back home. I think there was a uh, <laughs> there was a, a stat that was put out there. Would you Would you want to go back and play for your hometown? Actually, that might have been for a whole different sport, but that, it was interesting. Though he said, "Would you want to go back to play for your hometown, be an MVP, or take twenty million dollars and everything?" Of course, you know, I ain't no fool. I'm gonna take the twenty million dollars. Give me the twenty million, baby. <laughs> but. But for him to go to his home hometown and everything, and also he's a big community person, so yes. what better way to do it? I mean, I'm thankful for what he did back in Kansas City and everything, but it, it all sets him up and everything to be able to do that for his, his very own hometown. That's special. I'm happy for him. Right, I'm happy for him too, man. I wish him all the best. hope he has success. I hope he uh, intercepts all the balls from Tom Brady. <laughs> Let's speak about Tom Brady real quick. Did you see that contract that he's getting from Fox next year? Can I, can I hold a dollar? Three hundred. It was a $380-something yeah. million? I mean, I said, well, you're set for life. We can't get rid of this man. Man. I, I, Let's talk about a deeper thing. <laughs> does Tom Brady want to go home to Giselle? I don't think he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's so foolish. <laughs> He don't, he's like, bump that, man. I'm not going on. He he spent, what, three months with his family and came back. Yep. <laughs> but even so, you know, they were talking about the whole rumor and stuff like that as far as with Miami and the yeah. and then, you know, that yeah. potentially being the backfires, like as far as when Belichick with the cat out the back. That's a whole different conversation, but it sounds mighty interesting now that I, it's like that I had the time to be able to process it. I'm like, him play against uh, his old coach twice a year? 
Yeah, I dropped the cat out the bag too. Make sure he stay in Tampa Bay, <laughs> so that way he got to do in in the, in the division where, truth be told, we don't know what they're gonna get because Tampa is to to me Tampa is the clear cut favorite yeah. in that division yeah. because Atlanta they're rebuilding, rebuilding. Carolina <laughs> that's a laugh and they ain't uh, got a quarterback yeah and and the Saints is like the Saints they. Um, the fact that we're able to make cap space, but, you know, cap space, I don't know, whatever. Monopoly money. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it you, know, you wish them all the best, but. Uh, it, it all dep- and look, Jameis Winston was playing really good yeah. until he got hurt. Until he got hurt, yeah. He was not playing bad at all by no means. I think, but the thing is, is that what's going to be different now is that Sean Payton is not as going to be in his ear to reel him back. No. We're going to see if this offensive coordinator can be able to tap into whatever Sean Payton got out of Jameis Winston because the problem with Jameis Winston was the turnovers in Tampa Bay. Because we got to remember the year he threw through the 30 interceptions, he also threw like 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yeah, yards. 30, yeah, he was the, he, I think he was like the first to go 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, yeah. which is absolutely And crazy. I don't blame all of that on Jameis Winston. That's that risk it, no biscuit. Uh, that's what they call it. Yeah. Risk it, no biscuit offense that Bruce Arians runs, and they had that man throwing it 50 million times a game. And Rojo, they wouldn't barely give him the ball. He wouldn't run in the football like he did once Tom Brady got there. I mean, outside of Mike Evans, I couldn't even recall their receiving core at the time and stuff like that. I, I think Godwin was Godwin was there. Chris Godwin was there because that's when mm-hmm. he get, they both had got a thousand yards that year that Jameis threw them 30 interceptions. Mm-hmm. They had both had like 12, 1300 yards that year. That's how much attention Tampa Bay was getting. I'm like, oh, he threw another game, huh? I'm like, I'm not surprised. But he was throwing so many interceptions. He throwing yeah. it 50 times a game. And they, were, and they were doing that with Tom Brady, too, like as far as the, uh, At in, first, his, in his tenure. His first year, he was throwing a lot of picks. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were throwing it too much. And then finally Tom was like, nah, we're going to run this Patriots offense where I dink and dunk my way down the field and timing routes. And mm-hmm. We're not about to do this. I'm throwing it and they, figured, many times. and they figured it out, and then the defense. Obviously, they did what they did, and they took mm-hmm. they they fell right in the forms. I think it was like the uh, the second time the Chiefs had played Tampa Bay, and that was when Romo. I don't know what it is with him and his magic, and him being able to call and make predictions. I can't stay until they. This dude is like I think I don't think Tampa Bay lost the game after that because because then there were speculations that well they lose to the Saints again and everything and say some of these teams that they keep losing to and then they figured it out and made their run and then they tried it with the rebuild way didn't work out last year because of the the confusion on defense which still blows my mind to this day how you leave the best receiver wide open down the field and the Rams got there and the rest was history you know what's going to suck this year we got to listen to Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on Monday night football I'm watching on mute. Maintenance. I hope. I hope. I hope. Hopefully, the Manning cast is still on. I'm gonna watch the Manning cast. I'm gonna watch either Manning cast or I'd rather watch on Nickelodeon when they do the little. (laughs) (laughs) And Nick Burles (laughs) with Nate Burles. I would much rather deal with that, but it is what it is. Or I might just watch it on mute. (laughs) He said Nickelodeon. Create create my own sound effect noise and everything. So, (laughs) yeah, because I I can't stand. I just hope they strategically this the schedule works out because sometimes like I remember last season that's the beat about the schedule release is that you you're looking at it and then you kind of predict like as far as like okay I'm gonna sit there and watch this game like oh this one oh no no because there's a couple of games out there I'm like man is there another sport going on or something like that because it's not gonna work 
I think that's probably the the pros of why you have other sports going on that day. But yeah, I just I, I, some of these commentators, man, I just I can't with them. Not Dan Fouts is another one. He's terrible. He's, he's trash. <laughs> he's such a Chargers fan when the Chiefs play. He's so biased. It's just ridiculous, man. It's just ah, I can't stand some of these guys. I, why can't we just have uh, what's the dude man? I forgot his name. Uh, man, what was it? And name? even so, and even so, truth be told, you know, in in, in my if I had, in my perfect world, to be honest with you, there's that guy out there, Bob Mentory, that be on uh, social media, no. and he tell you the absolute truth and what exactly you thinking in He's certain situations. Even so, that when they had that clip with the Ravens and when Flacco got hit by, a, I think it was Kiko Alonso that Miami game. You know how much more entertaining that would be if you had something like that. They should have. He should just have do it on YouTube. He should do YouTube live and commentate the game and do it just like that. He, he would have a lot of people look tuning in. I mean, at this point, I might even say that might be something we have to consider ourselves just doing for one day and everything. Just kind of be live with the rest of Chiefs Kingdom. Just be able to sit back live and everything. Just have have a conversation. Tell them. I mean, it's going. You're going to see exactly what in the world. This is going on what we think. It depends on which read shows up because sometimes there'd be the absolutely great read and there'd be weeks I'm like, it's the it's the It's the Andy Reed where he just sticks to the plan. He yeah. don't deviate. <laughs> yeah. He won't run the football for nothing. He's no. we throwing, 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 throwing. That's, that's, My, meanwhile, we getting five yards a clip every time we run the football. Yeah, that's just that's just one of the things as far as what the Chiefs are expecting to do. I expect them to run the ball more. I think as far as with them being a patient offense, I think they're gonna learn how to deal with that. Clyde Edwards Alary. I think they're gonna be him and Rojo are gonna be a one two punch this year. Yeah, and Clyde is, is like I know he's coming up on a contract year, so it's like we definitely want him to be Intr- healthy. We want him to be at his best. Yeah. Um, you know, this is all setting up setting him up. It's like he's gonna stay long term and because you know, with the Chiefs and everything and especially in the AFC West, it's kind of weird now because now that the AFC West, I remember back even when they had five teams in their division, that it was you always had those running threats mm-hmm. on every single team. And now because we're such a pass happy team, mm-hmm. now it's just like you're seeing like you're pretty much letting it loose and just fire, like sit back and fire and go long and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the division now, AFC. Um, some some people may run it more than others. I think Denver's still going to run the football. Um, I don't think Russell yeah. Williams is going to air it out like like he used to. I think he's used because that's that's what he did in Seattle. That, Even though they were like, oh, well, let Russ cook. The run game helped Russ out a lot too. It was the traditional style because you're talking about a traditional style in um, uh, uh, Pete Carroll. But I do think Nathaniel Hackett, who's coming from the page, I mean the the Packers. Um, I think they're going to be a well-balanced machine. Um, they're going to be well-balanced. I would not be surprised, you know, as far as they bring in some of those elements. They're going to they're going to run the ball. They have all those. I mean, they have the receiving core to do it. We just never been able to see it come to light because of the quarterback situation, which we have been talking about for ever since uh, Peyton Manning left the seat in the scene. I don't know how many teams, uh, how many quarterbacks they've been through. As not as many as Cleveland did, but still. Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch. Uh, Trevor Simeon, uh, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. See, that's a, that's enough right there <laughs> as it is. And even so, and the sad part about it, Cleveland's was almost like dang near a whole roster long 
until they found. Well, I can't even say found theirs because their their whole mess that's going on up there. It's like this yeah. quarterback situation. If Deshaun Watson gets to play, Cleveland's gonna be scary. It's just with Cleveland. Cleveland should be. They should be in that playoff talk. But it's like we don't know which one they're gonna get. We don't even know who's gonna be the week one starter. We don't even know Baker Mayfield is still gonna be on the team come week one. I don't think. I don't see Baker Mayfield showing up to OTAs. I don't see him show. I wouldn't show up. I wouldn't. I don't care if Deshaun Watson is getting suspended. I'm not sure. I'm not playing for y'all no more. Y'all clearly told me I'm not the number one guy no more. Cut me so I can go pick my team that I want to go play for. And even so, it's like, you know, Mayfield has his case in that situation, but still, it's like, if you kind of go down as far as, like, it's, it's kind of hard to even for him to make a case because he had the receiving core to do it. He had Odell. He had Landry. He had a tight end in Njoku. He's had, and he's had the the, <laughs> the two best running backs, arguably, over the last couple of seasons. I mean, outside of Derrick Henry. So, really, it's hard for you to make a case. It's back to one of those you're going to have to prove it. Speaking of the Broncos, breaking news. Jerry Judy was arrested in Arapaho County today and taken into custody around 12 p.m. Mountain Time. So what are you doing, man? Right now, they don't have all the details. Until he, the rest is until it is officially booked, so he's in custody right now. Uh, okay, look, look here, look here. Um, receivers in the AFC West, and we, we need we need to set this this right now. Set the record straight. I need these receivers, players, period, to learn from the mistakes, especially if they get. Uh, and I hate to call it out, but from like learn from what the Raiders had been through. Learn from that because this could be the stepping stone that the backles a team and it's a distraction. It ain't right. You finally got the opportunity to do something like to be able to do something special to really come have it's like you want to have as few distractions when you're doing something like that. It, and of course, all the information and detail is going to roll out and stuff like that. But you most likely you could be, be facing a, a four game suspension or whatever it is, depending on whatever Goodell's good conduct policy, all this stuff is. But that's just something that's got to get fixed real quick, fast, and in a hurry because it's getting that way out of hand. All these receivers and stuff like that missing because they can't act right off, off the field. I, I don't get it. Yeah, this is Hopefully, hopefully, you know, we get all the, I wait to see all the details cuz we don't know what happened, you know. He could be innocent. It could be, you know, something else, you well, know. We never know the details of the arrest, you know. I mean, as a sidebar though, I wouldn't mind seeing the Broncos week 3 now if it's part of that suspension, but <laughs> But still, you wish the, you still wish the best and everything for all sides and everything, and hopefully that's rectified and yeah, taken care of. Hopefully he's not, you know, in no, no trouble, no criminal action, no domestic disputes. I hope that it's just, you know, maybe he got DUI or something, you know. Even that's bad, but still, you know. Or it's just something as simple as a rumor, hopefully a bad rumor. That's the very worst. Well, it wasn't a rumor because Adam Schaffner put it out there. Adam oh, Schaffner and James Palmer and all these guys putting it out there, then that's real. Yeah, so. good luck with that. But hopefully, you know, all parties are all involved. They're safe and sound and nobody's hurt, so. So. That's pretty much it for our time today, man. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the schedule. We'll, we'll, re, we'll reconvene uh, probably next week and talk about the schedule, man. Talk about the games and some of the games I'll probably try to go to this year. And also try to get like an early win-loss t- uh, prediction possibly. You know, we'll yeah. see. You know, uh, you know, me and Mark will come back and sit back and 
come up with our record and what we think, you know, and then we'll probably do another one right, right, right before the season when the team is finally constructed and put together and we know who's starting where and who put where, you know. And even so, I would say, like, we'll probably talk about even some of the, we're going to talk about some of the games probably that we look forward to the most. Yeah. But there's always that one game that everybody always looks forward to. And and be quite honest with you, it's difficult for me to call because obviously the Bills game and everything, I think is one of those shut up and put it to rest for all. Or you can talk about Cincinnati because then that could be a revenge game as far as. That's the game I'm circling. That's that's going to be one of those games as far I as everybody's going to talk about. And, and I hope Eli Apple's still on that team, too, I because want him we ain't forget team. about those words either. I want Juju Smith-Schuster to punch him in his face <laughs> and then score a touchdown on him and then come back again and kick him in his face and then score a touchdown on him. It, 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 all, it all depends on the structure so much. we already seen the early leaks and everything, so it's going to be really interesting to see where they, yeah. how the rest of it unfolds. And I hope I, it's Sunday night football in Cincinnati, and I hope we sack Joe Burrows 20 times. Mm-hmm. But, Take his helmet off and smack him with it like what's your name did to Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, I think probably one of the things I'm hoping for for this schedule this year is for the and there was a rumor put out there as far as with the Chiefs uh, concluding their schedule against the Raiders at the end of the week as far as like their week eighteen game. That's one thing I did hear. So we hoping like, well at least I'm hoping we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it rolls out. And, uh, we're coming up on about three and a half hours out until the schedule is released. So it's going down, baby. All right, y'all. That's it for today. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that notification button. Hit that subscribe button. If you are a new listener and you like to listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you can find us on all streaming platforms, Apple, Google, uh, Anchor, uh, um, Stitcher, Breaker, wherever you listen to your podcast on, that's where you can find us. Arrowhead Chief Podcast, baby. And if you want to follow us on social media, Arrowhead Chief Podcast, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, and we're on Twitter. Follow us, Arrowhead Chief Podcast. We will follow you back. We're not Hollywood over here. We will follow you. Um, If you want to follow me exclusively um, on Twitter, on any social media, Instagram, whatever, my tag is C-R-I-S underscore style 702, and on Instagram is 70282. Mark, did you have anything you want to plug? Same things as far as the Twitter and Instagram handles, uh, DJ Ant 702, DJ A-N-T 702. Keep it simple and everything. We keep it rolling, keep it going. Right on, right on. So thank y'all. Have a good week, and we are out. Go Chiefs.